Welcome to Talk Commerce, where we explore how merchants, agencies, and developers experience commerce and the communities they work and live in. This week, we interview Vinay Kopp, who is a big advocate for the new Hoofa theme. Hoofa, we spend a little time pronouncing it, but not a lot. We discuss why Hoofa makes sense for every developer, every agency, and every merchant who uses Magento. Vinay gives us some reasons why agencies need to embrace Haifa and to get their teams on board. He also talks about the benefits for the merchant and why they should be using it. Sign up today. We go into the differences between PWA and the monolith and dive into microservices. All this while not getting too technical. You have to listen to this episode to hear Vinay's real opinion on PWA versus Haifa. It's amazing. The Talk Commerce podcast is sponsored by SwiftDotter. E-commerce developers solve problems daily. In fact, some of those seem like mountainous hurdles that must be climbed in a matter of hours. Stress levels can go through the roof. No wonder the plague of burnout affects developers too. Ah, but there's a vaccine for that. Investing time in your career will take you farther than you ever imagined. Meet SwiftDotter. Swift Otter exists to help you become the e-commerce hero that is indispensable and irreplaceable at your company. We do this through Magento Certification Study Materials and Joseph Maxwell's most recent book, The Art of E-Commerce Debugging. Go to swiftotter.com to learn more about how you can quickly climb the ranks in your quest to be a better developer. While you're there, use the coupon code TALKCOMMERCE for 15% off any digital goods at SwiftDotter.com. TalkCommerce is brought to you by eWay Corp. Cloud is a new normal for companies of any size. Buying, maintaining, upgrading, and disposing of machines is expensive and complicated. Amazon Web Services, managed by eWay Corp, offers an easy-to-use, flexible, cost-effective solution to all your infrastructure needs. eWay Corp can provide a secure, reliable, scalable, high-performance network that will make your office hum, not literally. eWay Corp has saved its customers an average of 31% on their IT costs while adding 62% to the bottom line efficiency. To top that, their customers have seen 43% fewer security incidents. Go to eWayCorp.com to learn how you can start saving money and headaches by moving to the cloud. That's E-W-A-Y-C-O-R-P dot com. My name is Brent Peterson, and I'm your host. Please remember to subscribe wherever you download your podcasts. And now, Talk Commerce. Welcome to this special super edition of Talk Commerce. I have Vinay Kopp here, fresh from Germany. Vinay, why don't you introduce yourself and uh, tell us what you do and a little, maybe one of your passions. I'm developer, Magento developer, uh, an all over developer, I guess. I really like what I do, uh, but one of my passions, I'm learning Japanese. One of my, that was my COVID hobby, but it's still around and I'm really enjoying every day. I'm doing a bit of kanji and it's, I don't know why, but it's just super fun. Um, probably that's super nerdy, but I, I don't care. It's good. I really like it. What do you mean is still around? COVID is still around or Japanese is still um, around? Oh, both actually. I mean, thankfully, um, 
me and my family is vaccinated by now. So in a way, I almost feel like, okay, the first stage is done of this COVID thing. Uh, that just kind of slipped out as if it were gone. It isn't, right? I'm very much aware of it. But um, it doesn't feel like such an immediate threat anymore. So yeah, I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to say is still, uh, regardless of that situation changing in some way, I'm still very much enjoying doing a bit of Japanese every day. And I got inspired by you actually, right? You had have this super amazing 1,500 day streak or something like that on Duolingo. I'm always so impressed when I see that scrolling through that. So now I'm at, I think, 450 days. So I'll get you. <laughs> yeah. You only have to pause for like three years and I'll catch you. Yeah, I have to, uh, I have to speak Spanish more than just learn it from the app. You, I'm getting a good vocabulary. I'm learning mm. a lot of words, but the practical everyday speaking is not that great. They have a new, uh, there's a new uh, part of it that gives you some interactive speaking uh, on in Spanish where you talk back. So, and, and I, you know, we have a lot of people that I can talk to. I just have to choose to do it. That's actually very good. Uh, unfortunately, that interactive stuff that I saw isn't available for Japanese. I saw it for Spanish. My daughter's also do, learning Spanish, but not for Japanese. And I can't speak Japanese. I, I, I'm super slow trying to build the sentences or anything, right? So I'm very much a complete noob even after a good year. But um, yeah, it's still super fun. <laughs> yeah, immersion is, I think, the only way you can do it. As in, let's move into development. I learned okay. Magento by immersing myself in Magento. Um, and I can, I can say that I thought that I had learned it well. And I remember uh, back in, it had to be 2010, uh, I was approached by Magento to become a trainer. And uh, I went to do training with you and Ben Marks in Chicago. Chicago. Oh, that yeah. was one of the first trainings that Magento you did, I think. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I got back and then uh, Vitaly, I think he either, yeah, he interviewed me after. And he said, well, what do you think your knowledge is? And I think, I think I know 99%. And he literally laughed at me. And then he went into some specifics that I knew yeah. nothing about. And I felt so silly that uh, I, I, yeah, anyways, um, I learned that I'm much better uh, uh, technical salesperson and uh, all around BSer than I am a developer. But I did do development in probably until maybe 2012. Wow. Very cool. And I think we okay. met, well, we met, in, we met in 2009 or 2010. Yeah, it must have been. And, and Vitaly, big shout out, Vitaly Colombozzi, best guy ever. I mean, he's just amazing. He's super cool, super smart, super funny. And yeah, he can make one feel super dumb, <laughs> super fast. <laughs> so he's just really good, really good. But at the same time, he's so lovable, right? You can't can't yes. be angry at him. He has a very wicked sense of humor too, and he doesn't yeah. smile when he says a joke. Super dry. Yeah, I don't know. I almost don't know anybody else who does that. No, yeah, almost. Um, okay, so let's 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 get down to it. Uh, Hufa, Hufa has been 
the buzz around the industry and I see people now launching sites and I see specs mm -hmm. coming out. Uh, tell mm -hmm. us uh, a little bit about it and where you're at in it. Um, it's super cool. Um, so basically I've been doing Magento since 2008, right? And um, it must have been around 2016 or 2017. So one or two years after Magento 2 had launched that I found myself becoming more and more frustrated and disillusioned to some degree. And then community engineering happened, but that kind of didn't work out either because it just turned out into this point system. People wanted to game and so on. So it didn't really catch the spirit at all. And I'm, I found myself looking or shopping around for other carts basically. And which is fine, you know, I learned a lot. It was great people in different systems and everything. But then last year, must've been October or something, right? Willem, you had him on, right? Willem Wigman, he announced Hiva in Reacticon. And I watched the YouTube video after the conference because I felt like, oh, it's just another, you know, hype thing, just like all these other react whatever stuff that uh it's like but i watched it and what he was saying actually made kind of sense to me so i decided to to check it out and i fell in love and what's more it didn't only make me fall in love with Huber. it actually reminded me of why i fell in love with magento in the first place back in 2008 because all around this idea of something that's simple and fast and just you know really empowers people to get the job done in an efficient and fun way that's that's what it's about you know and that's what was what the community was doing back then people were innovating and you know creating new stuff and building new things and building sites and coming up with clever solutions and and that's happening there and that happened there. So Willem was nice enough to give me a uh, demo access back then because it's a commercial product, right? And uh, I just inspired by his ideas, I decided to build this Huva admin uh, library, which is, isn't the same as Huva on the front end. It's not a replacement of the admin. It's just something to allow developers to build stuff in the backend more easily. Right, new grids and forms and stuff. So um, the idea is the same, build stuff easy with fun, even though it works differently. Um, on the front end, it's a complete replacement. So anyway, um, Willem, after some time, came up with, you know, we were, we, we just kept talking because we, I was kind of really wanted to get more involved with it and everything. So after some time, I kind of felt like, you know, I really want to take this to the next level. I really want to make this help, help this be successful. And I was really enjoying myself working with Magento again because of this whole shift in, in, mind, in, in mindset. It's a different mindset how to work with Magento. Instead of over-engineering super complex solutions that take for ages and run slow and are buggy, it's more about, let's make this lightweight. Let's make this fast and fun. So 
yeah, I really wanted to uh, push this forward. So I asked him, you know, if I'm if I might somehow, you know, join him in the effort. And right now we're in the process that I'm actually joining him as a partner. So I'm gonna be part of Hyva, uh, part of the company, so to speak. So that's super exciting and um, feels really good to me. So I'll have real skin in the game. And um, it's it's new for me because now I have something I want to sell beyond myself, giving consultancies or development hours or whatever, right? Because I'm freelance for anybody who doesn't know, uh, maybe. Now I really want people to use Hoover, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to join that company if I weren't completely convinced that it's a really super good product. That's just super cool and works because to be honest, Still, when I hear people launch sites um, and you know one after the other has really good uh, page speed insights and core web vitals and whatever lighthouse scores, and like, yeah, this really works. <laughs> it's amazing. And everybody who's finished a site so far, as, as far as I know everybody, has uh, started further builds on it. you know so it's definitely something that people, want to continue building on. So that's really good and really reassuring. So now I actually feel like there's a future for me with Magento again. Uh, that's nice. Yeah, that's, uh, it's very encouraging. And, the, and I think one of the things you had mentioned earlier is that the, uh, the idea that he came out with this thing, is it just a flash in the pan? Is There's so many things that come up and then they sort of die off and there's not a lot of energy behind it. And maybe one of the things that Adobe could learn from this experience is to get some energy behind some of the other things they're doing internally mm -hmm. and engaging the community a little more. Um, oh. uh, you know, there's a little bit of excitement around PWA studio, but it's, it's a little bit flat. Like it hasn't been adopted. Like you would have thought it should be, especially with oh. the investment they're making. And I think this is just, and, and, it, and I guess to, to, to clarify, a flash in the pan, it didn't happen immediately. This has taken almost a year now to get to this point, but the momentum is building. And I think we're seeing some very exciting things happen. Um, but maybe you could comment a little bit about Magenta or Adobe itself and how, mm -hmm. how maybe how we could help, how we could coach Adobe to help us as a community. Well, right. So first, I think um, it has taken a year to build Hoover to where it is, but it's only launched publicly in February. So it's, it's not even half a year yet, right? That is actually in the wild and being used. So it's, it's grown very fast, I would say. There are at least 200 agencies now actually doing builds with it, more joining every day. Um, there's um, Adobe was your question, right? So, okay, so I think what Adobe is doing with regards to PWA Studio and using the strangler pattern to replace more and more parts of the monolith with microservices or other services they offer, like you know, content, stock, price, 
recommendations and search, et cetera. You know, all these Adobe enterprise services. It makes total sense. I can't blame them at all for what they're doing. It's yeah, absolutely. Super cool. If I were somebody at Adobe, I would be like all in for that stuff. But that's not my business. Right? And that's not what my customers or my customers' customers want, like the merchant that we work for here. And that's actually uh, this small medium business is one of the traditional strengths of Magento. And where it really shines because it's is still, I believe, the most flexible PHP shopping cart solution around. And it's amazing what it can do. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's not uh, part in, the, in that regard, it's not old in any way. So um, from Adobe's standpoint, I don't know if it makes sense to do anything differently. They don't need to care about them because it's not their customers. So why, why should they? Um, I'm actually quite happy uh, that this is more of a independent thing. There's a lot more energy there of people taking care of their own interests, <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. Right? So many companies are built around Magento. So many lives have been built around Magento, thousands of lives and livelihoods and everything. So, um, you know, they, that's in their interest to, to have this. And it's not in Adobe's interest to have this. So I don't know if it, the only interest Adobe could have in trying to acquire it or build something similar, to be honest, would be if, if they would really want to abandon all their big plans of microservices and everything, which wouldn't make any sense for them. So I don't think so. I don't think it's a match. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I, and their customers, and then there's all the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, and I think just to clarify too, um, you know, I, I saw I saw a tweet from Ignacio who had mentioned that it's up to us, the community, to keep Magento vitalized, vital and alive. Mm. Okay. And yeah. I guess it's always been up to us. Well, no, I wouldn't say. I would just say the community took a took a took on a, a life of its own without Magento, it happened independently and Magento followed the community as opposed to something like Microsoft or something that built something and then bought a community like in GitHub. I think, um, hmm, yeah, that's a good point. I have, and Ignacio is making a great point there. So in general, I believe that the community so back with Magento 1, I really had the strong feeling the Magento community is, is leading and Magento is following, just like you said. But after some time with Magento 2, trying to take all the good ideas and kind of bake them into the product, which kind of didn't turn out too great in all aspects, but okay. And then also with things like community engineering and the Magento Association and so on, it's all, and, and PWA Studio, it's almost like, okay, Magento says, here we have these things and they're going to be great. They're going to be great. It's exactly what you want, right? And everybody's like, okay, I'll wait. And a year passes and it's still not there and it's still not ready and it's still not, you know, taking off. And it, but nobody wants to step up because there is something there, right? So it's almost as if that takes away the initiative and the energy of the community. So being independent 
and not waiting for something to come out of Magento or Adobe in this case, I think has a much higher rate of uh, much more potential. Yeah. Yeah, and I want to kind of dispel some of the myths around microservices because I think it, it can get microservices can get super complicated in the sense that if you build out everything as one little node JS service and then have to deploy each of those individual things on your own, that gets super, that does get very complicated. But if you think of a microservice as your payment gateway, as your out your off outbound APIs that you're calling to, each of those is essentially a service, but you're not deploying each of those. So in a sense, right. some of the SaaS service, services that Adobe is offering like Magento or like Adobe Search um, will be something that you don't have to redeploy every time. And some of those things that are offering complexity is when, when a, when a, uh, when a, when you as the merchant have to be responsible for all those little bits mm -hmm. and then, then things get very complicated. And, and I feel as though uh, Adobe is going down the path of trying to do a lot of these services as a SaaS service, rather yeah. than something that you as the merchant manage yourself. Absolutely. It's all about SaaS and SaaS microservices there. And that's how they'll want to monetize it as much as possible. And that again, makes total sense from their perspective, from their point of view. Um, I, I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't do anything differently if I were in their shoes. And you're right, deploying microservice a distributed system on one's own is a very complex task. So much can go wrong. The versions have to match everything. It's, it's not easy. So the complexity just gets pushed somewhere else. Uh, having an external system also introduces complexity. You mentioned payment gateways as an example there. And if you ever developed a payment gateway integration, even for something with a super nice API like Stripe, for example, they're great. I love Stripe. But still, getting those things right and keeping them running over time it's work, you know, it's complex. It's, uh, it's keeping systems in synchronized in a synchronized state is, uh, well, it's, it's, a, it's a task, right? And having stateless microservices, of course, if, because I mentioned state, um, that also is uh, very tricky because that then can easily lead to cascading failures if something takes a bit longer or, you know, it's, it's a big complex world there. And yes, if other people are managing part of it, like the deployments and everything, that helps a lot, but um, it's no silver bullet. <laughs> you know, of course it's better than trying to do a distributed system that's in effect just a monolith. So I do everything. That's not really a good, that, then you have the worst of both worlds. <laughs> but if you, if you give some way, you know, that helps to some degree. Absolutely. Yeah, I but remember. again, it doesn't make sense for many people because at the same time, just one last thought there. If with uh, distributed systems where you're just developing against APIs, um, it, it has a lot of benefits. Things like upgrades just happen automatically. Uh, nothing to worry about there. At least that's how it should be, right? If they're well-designed and if they keep backward compatibility and everything, that that's probably hopefully a very good system scalability and so on. That's great. Um, 
What gets lost along the way, however, on the cost side are things like uh, flexibility, customizability, and um, just being able to project costs, you know, or, or tune costs is uh, over, over a long period of time, that ability gets lost. Right? So there's definitely a cost to using this system too, which is okay. Um, there are costs on the other side too, but um, there's value in being able to build stuff yourself if you are that kind of shop. Yeah, and I think that a, um, we, we've had conversations around how Magento doesn't necessarily fit every merchant, but there mm -hmm. is certainly a set of merchants that it still fits very well. Mm -hmm. And uh, and the customizability is something that that is something inherent to Magento that we can't overlook and that other SaaS platforms simply can't do. Uh, so let's yeah. coming back to Haifa, Hufa. Yes. Uh, why don't you tell us first how do you pronounce it, and what is Hufa. the correct uh, German way to do it, and then the Finnish way, and then uh, let's talk a little bit about speed of stores and how it's going to improve uh, the merchant's uh, return. Sure. So uh, it's pronounced Hufa. Hufa. Hufa in German and Finnish. <laughs> there is no German, I guess. Um, but yeah, Hüver. But it comes easy to Germans because we have the U, the umlauts, U, E, Ö. So um, Hüver. 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 Okay, Hüver. That's, Hüver, yeah. That's the, that's, <laughs> I guess. Okay, probably I'll, I'm, I'm off. <laughs> I'll get you completely screwed up. If you ever watched uh, Yissa's uh, and myself, uh, we'll go back and forth with the, mispronouncing our names for hours. Yeah, it's fun. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, Hoover. So it offers a number of benefits for merchants. Mostly, um, builds get done quicker and thus saving developer hours and money. Right? So that's great on the one side. And on the other side, it allows. Um, so I I think uh, you know. Google still prioritize content over everything else. So that's still content is king. That's still true, in, at least from what I see. But having a great user experience, that's what Google is trying to you know, drive people towards with, with their changes in, in what they're doing there. Um, that's also becoming more and more important. Of course, I think it'll never be more important than the content. But given the content is the same or you know equal quality maybe even if it's not the same uh, then these factors suddenly become uh, decisive who's ranked better than others and that's where Huva shines so it outperforms all, any other magenta to front end and um, pretty much any other competitor that i've looked at uh, in other systems so it's it's amazing, really. I still almost can't believe it, but again and again, it just proves it can do it pretty easily. So that's amazing, yeah. Yeah, we've been we've been talking about this lull. Or we've been coaxed into this idea that Magento is acceptable at a four-second load time. I remember, I well, I, I interviewed Michael Turk with uh, Spriker, mm -hmm. and uh, his their their goal for load times is a quarter of a second. Mm -hmm. He laughed when I said. Oh, we can get sites under one second. So I think uh, it's it is 
what magenta or what i'm what what google is expecting of a high uh, of a of a well-maintained and well-running store and i think you're right content is king but after that the it is actually it is a balance of speed and your mobile load times and then all those other factors that they use on their algorithms. So content, mm. uh, content layout shift, some of those other things, uh, or cumulative layout shift, CLS, um, all those little things play play into it. Mm. And what we've learned, I think what we've learned through maybe, maybe through Lighthouse and through looking at through the lens of Google is that Luma really sucked. <laughs> Yeah, for a long time. (laughs) And what I've learned in just doing these these short interviews is that Luma sucked when it was launched. Mm -hmm. No, no, uh, and you know I think part of it is that, and maybe William said this was that it was it was put out there as as sort of a as a template for people to look at and use, and maybe not necessarily to use as your basis for all your new sites. But what's happened is because it does look pretty good, people just used Luma and it, and it got to be the point of, Hey, let's just use Luma to do this. Um, I'll, I'll be honest that I'm, I'm surprised that all these off the shelf themes that you'd buy in template monster or something, they don't include, they, they, none of those are fast either. In fact, a lot of those are slower than Luma. Yeah, and yeah. why didn't this whole hoofa thing happen sooner? It's two reasons. For one, Magento said, if you do it right, it'll be good. But that was a lie. (laughs) The cake is a lie. It never was good. It sucked from the start. And it just didn't work well. So even without Luma, in, in fact, the whole system they built with Require.js and Knockout and jQuery UI widgets and jQuery and underscore and kind of, you know, combining all these libraries together and creating this, this Frankenstein JavaScript monster that they did. It's, um, it's really not just Luma, it's the underlying system, I'm sorry to say. So whoever came up with this idea in 2011 and 2012, I guess, um, thought it was a good idea. They built it and once it was there, I assume, again, this is just me guessing, but I think it's some cost fallacy. So they like, okay, we spent two years building this. We can't change course now. You know, we'll just have to fix it later. We need to get this done. So it was 2014 and, oh no, we're using less. We're not changing anything. You know, and everybody's like, no, don't use less. We're using less. You can change it. We'll change it later. We'll never, never got changed. And instead what they thought, oh, Two years later, we'll throw everything away and do PWA instead. But that obviously hasn't taken off. So that's, you know, it'll never take off because it, once again, it, it, that's my opinion. Um, PWA makes total sense for things like Twitter or Airbnb or, you know, that's very different from a platform like uh, an e-commerce platform or a content platform or anything like that. That's, you know, reproducible people want to make build around this system instead of creating a unique product interface um, completely different use case so i think p choosing pwa at the time probably again seemed like okay we'll we'll do it this is going to be the future but to be honest it isn't 
that's my opinion. It's not the future of e-commerce at all. It's it's it, it makes sense. It's got its places, but it's not it's not for something that you know all stores will use by default. Because why? There's no reason, no benefits, zero, only more complexity. And so uh, things might be different if you have a shop run by JavaScript developers. But then the question is, why use Magento at all if you've got JavaScript developers? There are better systems that are more well suited for them. <laughs> so if you want to use Magento, if you want to profit from all the flexibility built into the system, don't hire JavaScript developers to build the front end. Why? You lose all of that. Instead, just use PHP developers to build a great system. It works great, you know. So, yeah, that's that's my take on it. Well, I, I do think there's a place for both in in uh, in the world. Uh, so, and and actually, PWA doesn't take away from anything that that the regular system is doing. It does give us some more flexibility, and maybe it Which, helps what us. Flexibility? What's that? What flexibility? Well, it gives the it gives some options that we're going to expand the headless version of Magento. So, for example, we did build a Magento uh, POS system mm -hmm. based on just the functions of Magento, not using the front end at all. And but what what are the benefits of doing that compared to using a server side rendered side there? You know, uh, for what? So, first of all, I guess we have to distinguish between. Um, PWA as a marketing term, as Magento has been uh, marketing it, and the actual, you know, what Magento actually has been marketing is a single-page app, right? An SPA, and PWA can be server-side rendered and everything. So uh, I, I, let's maybe it, it's. I really think it's time to to clear this confusion up. It's, it's high due time. So. I, I honestly believe now all the PWAs that I've seen so far um, that have been built with Vue Storefront or with um, you know, PWA Studio, there aren't that many, but uh, the ones that I've looked at, you could have built exactly the same thing using Hoover, for example. And if you want server-side, uh, you know, like push notifications or offline mode, you don't need an SPA for that. No, we can do that with uh, server-side rendered JavaScript just fine. There's like, no, no need to do that, actually. You don't have to build an app for that. Honestly, it's, it's using technology for technology's sake is not the future. Yeah, and that's an, that, that's an interesting conversation. And, and it would maybe it would stand to have a panel where we'd get somebody who's a big proponent of, of using uh, uh, PWA or, or using something like, like view storefront or, or, um, even a scanny web, uh, PWA, and then just using a straight up connected front end built right in the site. Um, yeah. And, and I think as you break it down, just like we broke down microservices versus just services via SAS, it, it does make it lot less complex if you think of it in those terms that these are the parts that we're going to deploy and that we're only deploying this everything else is attached 
we have to we have to keep in mind that when we do an upgrade to the site, it still has to interact with your payment gateway. But we don't really we don't need to re redeploy the payment gateway, the shipping gateway, the the rules engine, the every all every tiny little service that you need to deploy. That that at some point the complexity becomes unmanageable or more complex and why why would you need to do it because everything's everything at some point should run together and may, maybe some of the reasons that they do they do detach some of those services are so they can i don't know why i guess maybe you can explain to me why we want to get and get to microservices mm -hmm. and how sure. much micro do you need in microservices microservices are great uh in uh, for the following reasons, right? Um, if a microservice is done right, it's uh, independently scalable. So that can be huge for companies like Netflix and others. Um, if you have great, great fluctuations in demand for certain services, you can very easily scale horizontally and just scale up as much as you need. That's great. Microservices also reduce complexity within the service. So in, in Go, for example, it's it's more common to completely rewrite a microservice rather than grow it or involve it over time. Rather, you know, throw the old one away once you've written the new one. And if you do it on that granular level, that's pretty cool. Um, so that's the benefits of microservices there. Also, that means that different teams, you know, can own microservices. Uh, we have the guys who only do the stock microservice. That's what they know. They're domain experts. They can write their own thing, deploy their own thing, as long as they follow the, the guidelines in regards to backward compatibility and scalability and so on. Let them do their thing. And, that, and then at the same time, the front end guys can build their thing. But uh, again, that, that makes sense for, for something like uh, Airbnb company. It doesn't really fit the model that the typical merchant operates and you know, even big ones, to be honest, they don't have that kind of requirements there. So that's why microservices are great. Um, they're not great for everything. Again, they come with the cost, as I said before. And, and then we have the whole idea of services, right? So if we don't make them that small, so basically the SaaS services, they're not really microservices. They're more like, they're kind of bigger. <laughs> Yeah, right uh, there's a lot of logic in it you wouldn't just throw it away and rewrite it that that's far too much effort that went into one of these services and they have to be finely tuned and there's so much domain knowledge captured in these services um right the reason why it makes sense to put them out and offer them as a SaaS services is because there is so much domain knowledge there's a complete industry around thank you pages, right? Um, and, and other services that are built to really maximize, well, I guess profits in the end around whatever it is. So all that is impossible to build in-house. Right? We can't be expert in everything. So it makes sense to buy it from the outside. And that's why we buy per, you know, um, uh, payment gateways, like you said. Uh, they, they know how to do that. I don't want to know how to do that. So uh, yeah, let's, let's buy that service. Search, another one, right? And so on. 
So that makes sense. But using these outside services does not require um, a headless approach. So, yeah, no, you're exactly yeah. right. A lot of people are confusing different things to, that actually have the only reason they're thrown together is for, well, I guess to sell stuff, <laughs> you know, to sell services and uh, just market things that don't necessarily need to go together. Yeah. Um, so in a sense, Hufa was a, it, it, you could look at it as a service or a microservice that was thrown away, like they threw away Luma and I know it can't be deployed independently, but you threw away Luma and you started over. And that should have been done five years ago. Even it though it's still part done, of the monolith. It should have been done five years ago, right? Uh, it, so this whole tendency towards more and more complexity and a more complex and more complex stack. I'm not sure if that's really something that just is a like entropy <laughs> it just happens right? we can't fight it we can only slow it down maybe that's actually the case um but maybe not hoover is definitely moving in the opposite direction and it frees up so much energy i think that's a lot of the energy that we see in the community around us it's just because it frees up all the energy that hasn't have to be spent on on that you know, accidental complexity that's there otherwise. So yeah, if that were rebuilt five years ago, I think um, things would be a bit different, sure. Um, oh yeah, but again, to quote Willem, sorry to butt in there, five years ago, it might not have been possible because the browsers aren't where they are today. Right? So a lot of the native functionality that the browsers offers nowadays wasn't there back then. Yeah, I yeah, um, I I would agree with that as well. Um, IE six um, would be the browser that I still use, and so I I do find out that I am having more and more trouble loading some of the sites out there. Yeah, I get. <laughs> I bet you do. <laughs> um, all right, so let's 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 talk about a little bit about the agency side if you were if if you could tell an agency owner why would you get your team involved in in hufa what would be some of the things you could tell them you'll have you'll be more competitive first of all because uh you can quote you know quote less time to the customers for a bill that's important and if you're still doing luma uh, i get and you don't use some kind of cookie cutter starter accelerator pack there, um, then you're going to have a hard time competing against all these agencies doing Hoover <laughs> because they're, quote, 30% less for, for the front end development up front, I guess. That's what the numbers seem to kind of converge on, um, which is amazing to me but still yeah so that's one reason be competitive you know it's better for the clients at the same time the clients have a much better result so the, the merchants uh, is what i mean by the clients there because site is, is quicker and again content being equal or you know equal quality than other metrics like speed core web metrics etc uh, become decisive so yeah that's why it makes sense to use hoover and finally, 
Um, and that's Huber's third claim is uh, best developer experience. To be honest, not everybody that I've spoken to has completely fallen in love with Alpine JS or Tailwind. Some have, some haven't, but at least it's okay. I haven't heard anybody who really hates it, like some other systems. Um, so they're like, yeah, you know, I really like clean CSS with semantical names and everything. It, it really works for me. I spent a lot of time learning it. We have a great system in place and we can work with it. Sure, you know, that that's valid. It certainly is possible to use it, uh, CSS in that way too. No, no disrespect there at all. Um, of course, that still is possible to use approaches like that together with Huba. If you just take the default and do your own stuff in a more semantical CSS naming way or something, that works too. Same with Alpine. Uh, that's actually more of a case. Some developers like to use Babel to lose uh, you know, the latest ECMAScript that's available and transpile it down to versions that can be deployed in, in current browsers. And that's not possible with Alpine version two. However, now that Alpine version three is out, that actually is an option again. So um, yeah, uh, maybe something will change there. Um, Huva doesn't use Alpine version three yet, but it's planned for the next couple of weeks to put work in to, to check if it's, we're a bit afraid if it actually, that it, we really want to make sure it doesn't have a negative performance impact. First. Right. So I, I will you know, we're still holding back a bit, but it's it's looks very promising. That great features in there. And I, I will comment on the agency side. Tailwind does have components that you can. There's a package mm. of components, or there's a number of components that you can buy, and reuse and reuse them mm. in Magento. Um, if if you could help a uh, maybe a if if a, a lead developer, how can they get their team engaged? and excited about developing on Hufa. Uh, my suggestion would be, well, go ahead and uh, you know do, do a build with Hufa and see how it goes. And experience has shown it's not, the first one isn't the last one. <laughs> the first Hufa build isn't the last one. Also, um, what you just mentioned, this, this component library is called uh, Tailwind UI. It's commercial, uh, people who, who buy a license get access to this huge component library and they can copy and paste sections off of a site. And because of these utility CSS classes, things just kind of work if you put it into your own site. And they're very beautifully made with great care and a lot of love. So, so that is, is another accelerator to be able to build quicker. And the same company now has just released another commercial licensed product, which is um, like Tailwind UI components for e-commerce. So all these sliders and product listing pages and signups and navigations and all, everything you might possibly need for an e-commerce site, you, know, you get beautifully designed and customizable components that you can take and they just work in Hoover because they use the same underlying technology. They use Tailwind and AlpineJS. So that makes things super fast. And what's more, that, that was Willem's uh, original plan to develop such a e-commerce library. 
but not just based on Tailwind and uh, AlpineJS, but already built on top of Magento's templates and layout XML system. So, of course, if you take things from Tailwind UIs, UI, um, e-commerce component stuff, it's just in the browser, no server connected in this. So if you still have to actually get the products and then render it into that structure that has been provided by Tailwind UI, which isn't that much work. But what Willem's idea there is, is to have the same thing already working for Magenta. So you literally just take that PHTML template and drop it in and everything already works. So that's uh, the next level. And that will be, I'm lacking vocabulary here, right? Like superlatives of uh, yeah, no, I, I know, think fast. It's, it's going to be instant site builds. It's going to be amazing. Yeah. yeah, I think our our team has been excited about that portion of it. And I, we bought some of those tools from Tailwind and and uh, have started okay. using some of those. So I, I think have you? a lot awesome. of exciting things down the road for this. Um, and I think, the, so the bottom line for this is that the site is going to be faster and you know, going back to PWA Studio, I set up a year ago, we were in Orlando and I set up PWA Studio in on my local and then published it to, a, uh, to AWS on a microservice. And I got a two second load time and I thought that was fantastic. <laughs> and, then, and then recently, you know, I saw some of those launches on Hoofa that were, that were under a second, you know, 350 milliseconds or something like that um, were some of them, what we've seen. Um, so would you, would you characterize that we should be expecting, we should always expect under one second load times, at least for your homepage. And then we should be expecting sub half second load times. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and not just load times, because to be honest, even with Luma time to first byte, if you have a warmed up varnish cache, you can go into the low milliseconds there, like 20 milliseconds. Sure. But that's just the beginning of the story. Once that data has been transferred to the browser, then the actual work for the browser starts. If you looked at like in Chrome in the dev tools, you have this uh, performance uh, tab. And if you run a record and analysis there, what happens when the page loads, you see all this big part that says idling. Right? And that's while, while it's actually loading the page. And then the actual, after that, the actual work starts, right? Then it figures out what other resources do I have to load? All the images and the JavaScript and the fonts and whatever, and then they need to be loaded and then they need to be processed. And then the browser can start to figure out how can I lay out the site? And if there's JavaScript involved, it first needs to, you know, parse all the JavaScript and check what it does. Does it actually influence how the DOM is built? And only once all that completes, then it can show the site. So by keeping all this to a very as simple, by keeping all that simple, the browser doesn't have as much work. So even having the actual load time in, in under half a second, having the browser be able to get ready in a, just another 10 or 20 milliseconds, that's what makes all the difference there. That's what all these Google Map Google Web Metrics uh, Core Web Vitals are about. Yeah, yeah, and, and just as a, as a uh, 
as an explainer here, the time to first byte is just to, is the amount of time it takes the server to respond to your request to start the, the you, you don't actually Ooh. see anything. You may see some HTML, but you generally don't see anything in that time to first byte call. It's, and, and what merchants really care about is that is there's a first view or there's, there's a met, I can't think of it off the top of my head right now, but there's a, there is a standing of when you can start actually using and seeing content is the most important part. And that's where I'm saying it should be, you know, half a, half a second or something like that, when you can actually start doing something on your page. And that's on mobile, right? With a yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, the key is to get it on mobile. And, and I think, even us in the West, we're very spoiled in the fact that a lot of us use desktop computers or we use a, yeah, we use a desktop computer and we, everybody develops on a desktop computer and suddenly you've made this site that loads fantastic. And then you look at your, your Lighthouse score and it's, wow, really? It's half as fast on my mobile device? It's terrible. Yeah, it's a big difference there. I had to learn that too. It's <laughs> like, oh. All right. Well, so we're, we, we, uh, we have eaten up a lot of our time today. Um, what, what could you tell us as a little snippet for a merchant that would be something as a takeaway today? Uh, I'd say um, as a merchant, try to get uh, a developer who's not only produces results, but also is a happy developer, because that will lead to much better results. I guess. Yeah, ha happy developer no. is a whole nother to topic a, that we do a self-interest here as a developer. <laughs> yeah. Um, part of the, the fun of being a developer is actually producing results, I think, right? Doing something that's, building something that's used and yeah. Yeah, I had okay. I've had a couple interviews with uh, Lars Rotig and uh, yeah. and Stefan Wilcom Wilcom Wilcomer from Tech Division, and I like their approach where they're not they're not they're not specifically looking at every single billable hour of every single minute of every single day. They're looking at the result of a team, which That's is cool. is a different way to look at it. Uh, and I know Lars. It seems to be happy. He was happy in the interview that I did, at least. Yeah. He's and, a happy guy. Uh, I like Lars. Yeah. Yeah, and um, and the, I think the difference is that you don't. There is some pressure still to deliver, but that pressure is distributed amongst your team rather than on an individual who says, "Hey, I guess today I'm going to work 20 hours to try to finish what I need to do," uh, and maybe it's not even up to me to be put on that 20 hours anyways that that is a completely different topic all right so interesting uh, topic though I, that's pretty pretty cool using a whole team there yeah interesting yeah i'd like to I'd like to know more about that yeah um all right so one 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 more thing then as an if you were to tell an agency owner mm. what what tidbit of information they could do right now in the uh, developing on magento what would you tell them and you can't say by Hufa. No, you're right. Um, <laughs> what would I tell a different agency? That's uh... so okay. So what what I realized through Hoover is that Magento 
open source or you know not just the adobe future vision of magento but what we have at the moment is a product that is worth building a company around and that's a good choice there and that the future is bright <laughs> and that's uh that's what i will tell a a agency owner excellent all right, so the last question that I ask everybody, or I give you a chance to do not a question, it's, it's, a, it's a statement. Give us a shameless plug about something. A shameless plug about something. Um, about yourself or about whatever. Could be about Hufa, could be about running. Yeah, we the talked Heidelberg enough about Hufa already. It's, you know, talk about like running the Heidelberg here. 50K next year as a team. That's pretty cool. Um, a shameless plug oh man what can i say as a developer i would love to see more closure developers in or closure script developers in the magento ecosystem i learned so much from that ecosystem and i i feel like um everything that i'm doing in the magento context now is also influenced by what i took away from developing in closure i would really invite i want to invite everybody or i invite everybody to spend a few days learning to write and read closure and build something small in it just to get a feel for it and hopefully it will be as fun and inspiring for you as it was for me great i will put those in the show notes and i will say a couple of years ago you got me somewhat interested in closure and i did did do a little bit i can't say i did a lot but i'm also not i'm no longer a programmer well I'll say i was fine. one it's not for everybody i guess right and by the way that's closure with a j not with a s like we usually use that term in, in the php or or uh javascript space <laughs> right um, yeah cool all right so i'll give my little shameless plug uh we have picked a date a tentative date for our hackathon in in the winter we want to do an adobe unconference or let's just call it an un, a, a commerce unconference and adobe hackathon in orlando florida on january 21st 2022 and florida is in the warmer part of the us and it includes disney world okay and that universal like studio well Vinay, you've been there every year and uh, I want to I sort of rebuild some of that magic that Peter uh, Manichek had built for us as a community uh, and go to yeah. Florida in January or February. Makes total sense. That, that makes total sense to go there, yeah. Yeah, Peter, I miss him. We all miss him. Manichek. Uh, Vinay, thank you for this yeah, time. Uh, you know, I, we wanted to make this 10 minutes and we've gone an hour, so I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't get a chance awesome. to talk about running or anything. So we'll have to do right. a follow-up. It's always hard to avoid running, being around you, talking about running. <laughs> I know. And, and I, I noticed that you do have your Meet Magento India shirt on. That's true. That's very good. And it wasn't even planned <laughs> for you. But uh, um, that's one of my favorite uh, places. Uh, yeah. Speaking of warmer climates, we are planning a small meetup in Honolulu, the I think it's the second week in December. Honolulu, that's in Hawaii. So I would have to get started right about now because I'm not flying anymore. But 
you can get pretty much everywhere by ship. Yeah. It takes longer. <laughs> so <laughs> I should start building that mobile office that I, you know, can I open my suitcase and it's all there, satellite uplink, and I can work from a ship. Perfect. <laughs> all right. Well, great. It was all great right. to awesome. speak to you today, Vinay. And uh, thanks again. Thank you. Thank you for uh, having me and giving me the chance to blurt out my opinions. <laughs> so I appreciate it. Thank you, Brent. Cheers. Cheers. Uh, Bye. Bye. The Talk Commerce podcast is sponsored by Swift Daughter. E-commerce developers solve problems daily. In fact, some of those seem like mountainous hurdles that must be climbed in a matter of hours. Stress levels can go through the roof. No wonder the plague of burnout affects developers too. Ah, but there's a vaccine for that. Investing time in your career will take you farther than you ever imagined. Meet Swift Daughter. Swift Daughter exists to help you become the e-commerce hero that is indispensable and irreplaceable at your company. We do this through Magento Certification Study Materials and Joseph Maxwell's most recent book, The Art of E-Commerce Debugging. Go to swiftotter.com to learn more about how you can quickly climb the ranks in your quest to be a better developer. While you're there, use the coupon code TALKCOMMERCE for 15% off any digital goods at swiftotter.com. TalkCommerce is brought to you by eWay Corp. Cloud is a new normal for companies of any size. Buying, maintaining, upgrading, and disposing of machines is expensive and complicated. Amazon Web Services, managed by eWay Corp, offers an easy-to-use, flexible, cost-effective solution to all your infrastructure needs. eWay Corp can provide a secure, reliable, scalable, high-performance network that will make your office hum, not literally. eWay Corp has saved its customers an average of 31% on their IT costs while adding 62% to the bottom-line efficiency. To top that, their customers have seen 43% fewer security incidents. Go to eWayCorp.com to learn how you can start saving money and headaches by moving to the cloud. That's E-W-A-Y-C-O-R-P.com. Thank you again for listening. My name is Brent Peterson, and it has been my pleasure to be your host today. Please rate and subscribe to Talk Commerce, new shows out every week.